listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Get ready to launch yourself into the latest Rockets news. You are listening to the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am your host, Lashar Binkley. I'm a contributor for Space City Scoop. I'm also a contributor for The Dream Shake. And of course, you can always find me on Twitter at HTOPLife40, all caps. Be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU. That's Apollo HOU, is all caps, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And on today's show, we are going to be yeah, as usual, discussing the Houston Rockets, and we have several topics going to go over today, including uh, we're going to break down some of the Rocket starters and things that they need to improve on this upcoming year, a non-biased take on what the Rockets need to improve on, uh, specifically the starters. We're also going to talk about, again, the Daniel House number situation that popped up yesterday uh, when he gave an interview talking <laughs> about the, the significance of the number and why he didn't want to give it up, despite a lot of Rockets fans um, pretty much won him out of town just because he wouldn't give his number to Jalen Green. So we're going to talk about that. And in the last segment, we're going to be uh, discussing John Wall because um, he's also kind of been uh, floating around Twitter and trending a lot. Um, actually positive things about John Wall for once. So we're going to actually talk about that and how he fits with the young core. But before we get started, I want to give my uh, guest a uh, chance to introduce themselves. Um, why don't we go ahead and start with you, A.D.? Yeah, so I'm Anthony Duckett. Um, I'm the site expert for Space City School, also a contributor for uh, Apollo Houston. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Most, I will give you a warning if you are a hard and stand, probably don't want to go to my, <laughs> probably don't want to go to my. Uh... <laughs> that that is true. Yeah, and I was going to say, that is true because you will be very disappointed if you actually like anything to do with hard. <laughs> <laughs> But but I will say it, it's always fun to create some discourse and uh, spark some outrage. <laughs> and you're very good at that. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> and we also have actual first time guest. Um, this is the first time we'll be talking to him on a Launchpad podcast. So, Jonathan, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, Jonathan Dell Palmer. I usually go by Dell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tweeter Dell and on YouTube and Twitch at Rocket Powered Squid. And I'm excited to be here today. Thank you all for having me. Oh, yeah. We're definitely glad you're jumping on Launchpad to talk some Rockets. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, in this first segment, we're going to actually break down some of the starters and, and actually talk about what they need to improve on. Because even though we're all excited and we all are Rockets fans, we sometimes we actually can be um, objective and talk about some of the things that you need to improve on. Um, but before actually I even start talking about that, I want to talk about something that actually came out today and get y'all opinion on that uh, quickly. Um, so today, um, a, a couple of different sources um, said that the Rockets worked out uh, Monte Ellis and, of course, Houston favorite Gerald Green. Um, so I want to get your opinion on that. And I'll start with you, Jonathan. Uh, what's kind of your opinion? Do you think there's any chance that they can bring, at least bring, uh, one of men, let's just say, honestly, Gerald Green, <laughs> bring him in to a uh, training camp and give him a try. Uh, what's kind of your opinion on that, on Gerald Green and Monte Ellis? Um, with Monte, just to, just to get that out of the way, um, I, th I think it's cool that he's doing this, you know, workout circuit to show that he still has something to give to the NBA. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a fit with the Rockets um, just because, like, you know, they're already heavy at what he would have to bring to the situation. Um, Gerald Green, though, I think there's a much higher chance that they actually bring him back because yeah. last year after the preseason, even Steven Silas was like, look, it was a numbers game uh, when they cut him. I think that the coaching staff, the management, um, the players that have played with him, they all love him. So I think it's nothing but a positive thing, especially him, you know, being an ambassador to the city that can kind of introduce these young guys to like where to go in Houston, like who to connect with and to stay out of trouble. Because, you know, some guys that are from Houston that are on the team would not be able to give that sage advice, just to say the least. Um, 
so, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. Shots fired. <laughs> oh, he, he, so he could be talking. He could be talking about anybody. There's plenty of Houston <laughs> people on the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so AD, so do you? Uh, I want to get your opinion on that. And do you think that they should cut um, DJ Augustine to bring in Monte Ellis? First of all, I do not like that take <laughs> at all. I just believe when I, when I saw that. Um, but, but before you get started, that's from that's from our boy Zach Allen. So yes. you know, I uh, wanted to get that out there. Um, just wanted to get shout your out opinion to on Zach. that. <laughs> shout out to Zach. He's a good guy. I don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean Monte Ellis. So he hasn't played since 2017, four years. Yes. And he's doing, I guess he's on his little workout circuit. I, I saw he, was it Mavericks he did a, tra- a workout with? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was the one before the Rockets, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he once said that he thought that him and Dwayne Wade were of the same status. <laughs> yes, the only difference that. being two championships uh, and a few more victories. So I think he must have the same confidence now that he had at the time. When he last played, he was not good. So maybe it's just a deal like the Rockets a few years ago brought in Anthony Bennett, kicked the tires. Yeah. You know, what does it hurt to bring him to camp? I would be surprised if he makes the team, first off. Um, also kind of surprised, I guess he wants to get in the league that bad, but he'll be 36 in October. I would think, if anything, he would want a ring chase and not join a rebuilding team. I don't really see where – I guess, again, for him, maybe he wants to get back in the league and that's the only chance he'll get. But I would think if he if he wants to play again, it would be on a you know Lakers or someone like that. Yeah, probably more of a Tracy McGrady at, with the Spurs type thing, where you know he's just kind of hanging on at the end trying to get a championship. Because honestly, I don't think there's I, I won't say zero percent because I mean I'm not in the locker room, I'm not in the front office, so I don't know exactly what they're thinking. But I, yeah. I'll probably say I'll put it under five percent chance that he makes the team because it makes pretty much no sense. When you're right. a rebuilding team with a bunch of young guys, you already have 19 people on the roster. And let's just say that um, Anthony Lamb finally accepts the offer, uh, whether he does or not, that'll put you at 20. And you pretty much won't even have any room uh, come training camp anyway. So I, I think it's more just a thing just to help him out. He's a veteran. Um, they just trying to do him a solid by giving him a workout. Maybe it works out for some other team, like you said, uh, one of the more com- you know teams that are competing for a championship. Now, Gerald Green, Gerald, I think yeah. there's yeah, I think I think there's probably a, a little bit more of a better chance, uh, yeah. just because of the nostalgia part of it. But again, I mean, you got to think about it. you have Armani Brooks, you have uh, you know David Wobble, you have Josh Christopher, you have you have all these guards, wing players already on your team that you're probably not even going to have time for for those players that are already, actually already on the roster. So it's going to be kind of a long shot to even bring in a, a Gerald Green type. Honestly, I, I would much rather see Gerald Green be more of a player development coach, sort of like a Chuck Hayes. I think he yeah. will do really well with something like that eventually. So, you know, I think it's just, like you said, kicking the tires, seeing, you know, what they got. And uh, it doesn't hurt to bring them in and do a workout. So, like you said, I think it's more of a long shot for both of them, but Joe Green probably has, of course, a better chance of making a roster. Um, but I just want to get y'all quick thoughts on that. But I want to go ahead and get into the actual first topic that we're going to be discussing here. And I want to kind of just break down some of the starters, or some of the main players, what things they need to work on um, this upcoming year. Because, of course, you know, we all know how last year went. And we're hoping that everything's a little bit better this year with more continuity, more time in training camp, uh, more of a clear vision of what the actual team's going to be. You don't have to worry about players, well, at least for now, requesting trades and saying that they want out. Um, So I want to start off with you, A.D. So what's some of the things you think some of the starters uh, need to work on? And we can go ahead and like start with John Wall, of course, since he's going to be more than likely in the starting lineup along with the other two guards. So I won't get much detail because I know we're going to talk about Wall a little bit more in detail yeah, later, later on. on. Um, but in general, I think what I would like to see Wall a little bit more is more efficiency. Um, he shot 40% from the field, and that's not a gauge of efficiency. That's not the best gauge, I would say, at least. Um, but the main thing is I want to see him finish at the rim a little bit better. Yeah, He got to the rim, uh, you know, with ease last season. We know he is that kind of player. He can do that because of athleticism, his burst, which he still has. But he was on like 55% in a restricted area last year. In the past, like, three, four years, he's been 58%. One year he was like 60 
Um, so I would think I want to see him finish a little bit better around the rim because that's his game, you know. Um, the three-point shot, I don't really expect him to be a sniper. He's never really been a sniper. Even no. though I know he's working on a step-back shot, which is cool. That's good. But I'm not really expecting to see that uh, come to fruition this year. Main thing is I want to see John Wall finish at the rim a little bit better. Uh, maybe make some better shot, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I definitely agree with you on that because I think the main thing with him, like you said, we're going to talk more about him later, but I think the main thing is going to be how is he going to go out? Is he going to be as ultra aggressive? Is he going to be more of a kind of step back and let the other guys take the lead? I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Like I said, we're going to talk more about that later. So I'm more curious about players like not necessarily um, Jalen Green because, of course, he's coming in as a rookie and we're going to kind of see as the season goes on things he needs to work on. I mean, we can say he needs to work on this on that, but it's totally different once you're actually in the league and you're going up against the actual you know, NBA starting level type players. But what about players like, what's one thing players like Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate, uh, what's one thing you want them to improve on as well? Uh, Christian Wood, man, the main thing is I want him to just stay healthy. You know, yeah. he he had a really good season last year. I think he was probably better than we would have expected because we had never really seen him put together a full entire season before yeah. he got here. Part of why his deal was so team friendly, you know, 14 million a year is a steal for a guy that was 21 and 10, you know. Um, so I think the main thing with him is I want to see him be healthy. I also like to see him, you know, hold his in a little bit in, in the post on defense. Yes. He's not going to be a rim protector. That's really not his thing. I know he'll get a few blocks here or there, but that's really not his thing. I just don't want to see him get easily moved. And I know he will because his frame, you know, um, He's really more built like like a KD, if anything, like 6'11", like 220, something like that. So he's going to get moved around easily in the paint. Good thing for him is that there's not a lot of elite, you know, uh, post players in, in the league now. Most big men are now, you know, stretch fives or step back and, you know, shoot the three. So that's not going to be too much of a problem. But I felt like more often than not, he just got bossed around in the paint last season. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and kind of following up on that real quickly. So do you think it's more of a case where you would rather see Daniel? Now, I've heard several ways this is said. I've heard Thice, I heard Tice. Tice. So it's I'm pretty sure it's Tice. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. I, I think it's Tice. <laughs> All right, so we got that straight now going forward. So everybody listening, it's Tice. So Daniel Tice, do you think it's more of a case where he should be starting more times than not, or just kind of it's going to be a a situational thing where it just depends on who they're playing against? I think considering the contract they gave him, you know, four-year deal, $36 million, I think he's going to be a starter. Um, and I think that would actually be helpful for Christian Wood. If you have Tice playing a five, I never really thought Christian Wood was a true center. Yeah, uh, I know people say he's a big man, but he really plays more like a wing, I think. So I'd rather would be at the four and Tice at the five um, from a spacing standpoint and, of course, on defense because Tice is a pretty good defender, very solid, you know, defensive player. So I think that will help a little bit. But uh, all in all, I really just want to see Christian Wood stay healthy. Yeah. Because to be honest, if he was healthy last year, he would have been an all-star. He probably would have been on the Olympic team as well. Um. So I think that kind of robbed him a little bit. But the good thing is that from what we see him post, like, every week, like, they sleeping on me, you know, they yeah. forgetting about me. I mean, he's <laughs> – he posted every week and then a voicemail, you know, to his mom. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, you know, I think that's actually good that people are kind of forgetting about him. They're doing that, I think, because he got hurt. But the good thing is that it seems that like he's using that as fuel motivation to, you know, prove everybody what all he can do and who he can be. Yeah, I agree. And, and Jonathan, what's kind of your opinion on one thing? Um, like I said, we'll talk about more about Wall later, but one thing players like um, Jay Shante, Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., what's one thing they need to work on? Because I know, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., for instance, he has to work on his outside shooting. I mean, as much as we love the 50-point game, he still shot a really low uh, percentage from three-point range la uh, last year. Teams are going to start to pick up on that when they're defending them. So what's one thing you think uh, those three players need to work on going into this next upcoming season? Um, well, I guess I can give, like, combo answers here since, yeah. since we're talking about them. But 
with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr., I would say um, defensively, their eyes get locked onto whoever has the ball. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this goes to AD's point about Christian Wood's post defense. You could watch him uh, if you go back and watch clips from games. He's standing in the post, but he's looking at the perimeter. So he's not braced for contact with bigs in the low post because his eyes are somewhere else. And then when the ball comes down there, he's not ready to take on that contact from the bigs. Um, and Kevin Porter Jr., I think he's still kind of figuring out the speed that other teams play um, their offenses, because we got to remember that he hasn't had much uh, NBA regular season time either. So he's still kind of getting used to his defensive thing. And with him and Jay Sean Tate, their outside shooting, once that picks up, it, it'll definitely open up the offense for Jay Sean Tate is like one of the more polished players on the team. Uh, to where you can kind of see that his outside shooting is really the only thing that he needs to specifically improve to open everything else up. But yeah, with guys like uh, KPJ and Christian Wood, um, they just got to work on like having the defensive IQ, so to speak. And having somebody like Daniel Tice, who is both a good perimeter and post defender, will just kind of help with that. And I think John Wall being around more will also help KPJ get used to the speed defensively because we saw it in that game against the Mavericks where like John Wall and KPJ were kind of like locking up guys together. So yeah, I think they just need time to kind of lock in. And I think training camp, actually having a training camp will help with a lot of that. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it, like you said, is just being on the court, having the experience because like you said, Kevin Porter Jr., Still hasn't even played a full NBA season. If I'm not mistaken, he's played 76 total games. So he hasn't even got to 82 games yet in a, in a full actual season. And that's that's from two different seasons. So he's still trying to get used to, like you said, how the NBA uh, speed is, how teams prepare for you, the different schemes. So I think with players like him and players like Jay Sean Tate, it's just going to take time. Even Christian Wood, I mean, you think about it. Christian Wood hasn't played a lot of basketball in the NBA. He's been yeah. from a, on a lot of teams, but he hasn't really played a lot of basketball. So even him, he, even, you know, he's still trying to figure it out. One thing I want to throw out before we end this segment, um, I want to get your opinion on and see if I'm just going crazy on this. And I know I would probably get killed on Rockets Twitter if I ever said this out loud. Um, <laughs> chances that Kevin Porter Jr. will be better off coming off the bench to start the season. And the reason I say that, is because if you try and run a three guard lineup, he's not necessary. He's probably going to be the odd man out when it comes to shots. Let's just be honest, because John Wall's getting his shots one way or another. John Wall's going to get his shots up. You have to get Jalen Green his shots. You have to run plays for Jalen Green. He's the number two overall pick. You're not going to bury him in the corner somewhere. And he's not going to get shots. But if Kevin Porter Jr. is coming off the bench, not to say that I think he should, but just something I'm throwing out there. If he comes off the bench. He's absolutely the number one guy who is going to be running the offense and who's going to be taking majority of the shots. You think there's any chance that they may rotate him in and out or just Kevin Porter Jr. is just pretty much just locked in at the shooting guard spot? And, A.D., you can go ahead and start. Um, I think KPJ is going to be starting out at the shooting guard spot. Um, Silas has shown – he talks a lot about, you know, wanting multiple creators, you know, on the floor at a time. Um, and although I, you know, there's an argument that could be made that playing alongside Wall can kind of stunt his growth as a point guard. There's also on the flip side, you know, the argument that playing alongside Wall is the true point guard. Um, that can help KPJ, yeah. you know, learn the position. I think really the biggest thing about playing with Wall is that um, I think that Wall on defense is really good. And we don't really have many other in our at least our backcourt. We don't really have many other guards who are as good. I mean, there are really not many other point guards who are as good of a defender as Wall in the league, even now, still, you know. So I I think that him, you know, being in that starting rotation can help uh, both KPJ and and Jalen Green from a defensive standpoint. But I mean, the thing about Wall is, and I know that it's kind of clunky because you got a young team, um, rebuilding team. And you have Wall, right? A guy who's and you what you're 10, 11, I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean the contract situation is what it is. Because of that, you have to do that anyways. Um, 
So, yeah, although it may not seem ideal, I think you're going to kind of have to start KBJ at the two and Jalen Green at the three. Yeah, and like I said, this isn't something I'm advocating for. I'm going to, you know, go back and forth with people on Twitter about it. It's just something I just kind of thought about. Like, I just don't want it to be a case where Kevin Porter Jr. just kind of just standing in the background and not getting his shots up. And then I guess if they're if they're actually able to go out and run, like I know Coach Tyler wants them to do, then it'll work out better for him anyway because Kevin Porter Jr. is great in the open court. Um, so I guess, again, we're just going to have to see how it all plays out because we all know it's not ideal to have three guards out there. I know that's not what they want to happen, but, I mean, it's just the fact of the matter is uh, you're not getting rid of John Wall anytime soon. I mean, we saw um, – uh, actually, uh, DeAndre Jordan. To get rid of DeAndre Jordan, they had to give up how many uh, second-round picks? Four second-round picks? Four second-round picks. Wow. <laughs> Just to get off of his contract, and his contract is nowhere near John Wall. So John Wall's not going anywhere. He's going to be here all year, so they're just going to have to work around that. And, again, of course, we're going to talk more about that in the last segment, if that's such a bad thing, which, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think it is. But, Jonathan, what's your opinion on that real quickly before we wrap up this first segment? Um, as far as as far as KPJ coming off the bench, I don't think that's necessarily the answer because just because I think as long as Eric Gordon's here, he has to get used to that six man role. Yeah. Um, but I do think that integrating Kevin Porter Jr. within like the bench units yeah. is more beneficial to him because if he gets that starting experience, he gets to, you know, have that experience playing next to John Wall and Jalen Green. And then he can have that sort of segmented time where it is his team um, with the bench unit and his chemistry with, you know, guys like KJ Martin uh, is very evident and it gives KJ some time too. Um, I think you need to have one of your better playmakers playing with those bench units. I mean, we saw that a lot with the Harden teams where you would have basically two point guards, whether it was Chris Paul or Russ. And when those guys got to shine with the bench units, it's like, man, these other teams can't stop that. So I think that is probably the better path for Kevin Porter Jr. But we'll see because, you know, as long as they have this, uh, I guess, like gluttony of guards on the team, it's hard to figure out what the configurations are going to be. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that they're going to figure out in training camp and in, uh, of course, the preseason. I think that's a good point you just brought up about probably more of a staggering system than necessarily bringing Kevin Porter Jr. off the bench. Probably have Kevin Porter Jr. come uh, play the first three or four minutes and then bring him to the bench and then have him come back in possibly when you take out a John Wall and then have Kevin Porter Jr. run in the second unit um, by himself along with Eric Gordon and players like that. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's better than uh, last year where they basically at times had no guards at all to even handle the ball. So, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a not a bad problem to have. Um, that's going to wrap up this first segment. Second segment, we're going to be discussing um, our favorite Houstonian, um, Daniel House Jr. And he yeah. actually had some statements yesterday about why exactly he's not giving up the number. Um, actually, I thought this whole situation was put to bed, but he brought it back up. And we're going to actually discuss that in the second segment. And I'm going to get the guy's opinion on it. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we are back on a Launchpad podcast presented by Apollo Media. And in this second segment, we're going to be breaking down some of the comments recently made by uh, Daniel House uh, when he was asked about, um, if I'm not mistaken, he was asked by uh, Ari Alexander from uh, Channel 2. Is that correct? I think that's the yes. interview. Yes. KPRC, yes. yeah. KPRC, yes. Yeah. So he was. Uh, he asked him about the number and why he, he didn't want to give it up uh, to Jalen Green. So uh, I want to get your opinion on that, and I'll start off with you, Jonathan. What was your opinion on that? First of all, what was your opinion when it first happened? Did you really think he should give it up? Because my opinion was He's a veteran. I know Jalen Green is the the future superstar of the Rockets, but most veterans aren't giving up their number to a rookie. It's just not going to happen. But what was your opinion on that then and, and the comments that he recently made? 
Well, when it initially happened, uh, all the Jalen Green stuff, I was kind of like, listen, if KPJ came over here and took number three and there was no discussion, then I don't see why we're having this now. Um, because KPJ was, you know, before he got here, he he talked a lot about why he chose number four in his career. And I personally, I was like, okay, well, that that's clearly going to be a problem now that he's a rocket. And it wasn't. Yeah, so I so I thought like, and I think a thing that a lot of people don't understand is like these numbers mean something to these guys. Yeah. Like the, these veterans on these teams are not just sitting here and just be like, oh, well, I guess I got to pick a number. <laughs> um, so hearing Daniel House recently explain why that was happening. First of all, you know, he doesn't need to explain anything to anybody, but this this fan base kind of just got to a critical mass of complaints. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and I was like, thank God he said this, but it's a little too late. Like people are just going to be out of pocket regardless. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he said what he felt like he needed to say. And he gave props to Jalen green as well um, outside of his comments on the number. So, you know, this, this whole thing should be deaded. Like it's over. They're going to go have fun on the beach vacation together and train together like it'll get figured out and if he gets traded away then y'all have another problem on the horizon potentially like who knows that that is true and i mean and and honestly you look at it i mean agent zero zero green whatever you say that sounds better to me anyway so i think he should run with that to begin with uh ad what was your opinion on i mean i already kind of know what your opinion was on it to begin with but what's kind of your opinion on the Daniel House comments that he had out yesterday, um, did that change you one way or another? Or just kind of just re, uh, kind of confirm what you already were saying. Well, I mean, it added a little bit more substance for the people who were of the whole, you know, he's being selfish crowd. The people who were of the whole trade him because he won't give up his number crowd. Um, I actually thought it was really not an ideal situation for either green or house um because on both ends you know you could say i mean it's kind of silly you know what i mean um and it's really more of i guess proof that because the rockies don't have much news going on that you know a jersey is like a big deal the story of the off season yeah <laughs> um but behind of course the draft but um yeah I mean, he he's got some um i don't i don't think that he owed an explanation to anybody um, I think it's kind of an interesting story, you know, that he had about his family being being from here. I always thought it was more so from his branding standpoint for the house, for the team. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I was in, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of interested to hear him say it's really more so about, you know, where, where he's from, where his family's from. But again, I don't think it's really should have been that big of a story. And again, I don't think he owed an explanation to anybody. Maybe if he wanted to talk to Jalen Green about it behind the scenes, as I'm sure he did do. Um, maybe if anything, maybe explain it to him if Jalen Green really wants that number, which it seems like he did. But as far as the fans or the media, I don't, I don't really think he owed it to them to explain himself. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, end of the day, I think that if he doesn't give the number, he doesn't give the number. They can't force him to give the number up. I mean, it's his number. I just, I mean, I, I guess he just, you know, wanted to go ahead and put that out there so everybody would know that he's not just keeping a number from Jalen Green because he's being petty. I mean, it was a reason behind that. And and like Jonathan said earlier, I mean, these players, a lot of these players either had these numbers since high school or college or there's a significance behind it, just like Daniel House discussed uh, yesterday why he wanted to keep the number. So, yeah, I mean, we all know we, we love Rockets Twitter, but Rockets Twitter can be extra sometimes. Let's just be honest. I mean, it, it's just sometimes, sometimes. – <laughs> Well, I would okay. Majority of the time, they can be extra about stuff, especially when there's no actual games being played. They kind of go overboard with some of this stuff. So, yeah, I, like I've been saying the whole time, I don't. There was no reason for him to give that number up. I mean, he's. I know he hasn't been in the league for 20 years, but he's still been in the league longer than than Jalen Green. So, I mean, veterans not going to give up their their numbers to rookies. That's just not how it's going to work. So, yeah, I mean, it just just kind of gave more context to it, but. Like y'all were saying, at the end of the day, this this should be a a end of discussion. That's the end of a no, no more discussion about it until 
possibly Daniel House is traded. Um, but, but actually, I want to actually get your opinion on Daniel House because I honestly think that he can still be a valuable part to this team if he gets back to how he was a couple of years ago and not necessarily, well, let's say a couple of years ago, pre-bubble. Um, if he gets back to that Daniel House, I actually think he can still be a pretty valuable team because he's still a, probably one of their better defenders. He can still get to the basket, even though 90% of his dunks are almost dunks, um, but at least he still can get to the basket. Um, he still can spread the floor. So do y'all think that he can still bring value on the court um, coming into this next year? Uh, I'll start off with you, John. What you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think that he could be a valuable part of the team. He just has to kind of remember what his role is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, there was, there was a lot of times this past season where he would do stuff and I would just be confused because I'm like, okay, like you're good at this thing. Why are you not doing this thing more in this game? And then he would have another game where he's like, he's draining threes. He's playing good defense. You're like, yeah, this is the Daniel house that we should be used to seeing. So I think there is still value for him. I've seen a lot of people be like, ah, he, you know, he's not an NBA player and all that. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the dude is good. And I think all he has to do is kind of lock into what his role is. And I think having more of the talent that we have now is going to show him like, hey, I can get back and become a comfortable three and D wing like I was instead of having to, you know, pass to all these like random dudes that we picked up off the street. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, I think think it'll be better. I, I think, yeah, I think people need to take that. And I'm glad you brought that up. You can't really base a lot on last year when it comes to these players because, I mean, you were playing with people that were probably hanging out, shooting hoops in the driveway uh, the day before, and then all of a sudden they're on the NBA court the next day because the Rockets don't have enough players. I mean, how can you really evaluate anybody, including the coach, on how they were last year? It's just really no way you can do that. So, yeah, it's just crazy to me, and this kind of goes back to how – and not just Rockets Twitter, just Twitter in general, how crazy it is. Like a couple of few years ago, I mean, it was a firestorm because the Rockets didn't sign uh, Daniel House fast enough and he had to go down to the G League. I mean, all hell broke loose. And now all of a sudden he's just a horrible player and he shouldn't even be. Um, what does Big Sorry say? He wouldn't even make his his YMCA team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, shout out to Big Sarge, by the way. I'm glad he's doing better. Um yeah, the goal exactly. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy. I think people are going way, going way too crazy one way or the other. Daniel Hobbs is just kind of a in the middle player. He's not really great. He's not crap. He's a, a serviceable rotational player, and I think he can still bring value. Uh, what's kind of your opinion on that, AD? Uh, same here, man. Um, Daniel House is a he is a valuable utility player. Um, three and D wing, six seven. You know. He's been a good three-point shooter. I mean, that first year you mentioned, he was our best three-point shooter. He shot 41% that year. Yeah. You know, Um, I think um, the last year, which was the Russ Harden year, the last year for Harden, full year being here, uh, D House like shot 36%. He was in out of the lineup, even though Dan Tony said he wasn't good enough to start, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which is kind of wild. But, I mean, yeah, I feel like D House – He's going to be a low, you know, low cost deal. They said they wanted to give him a new contract. That's smart because three and D player of his skill set probably would cost more than they can probably get him for it. They probably get him for three, four, five million a year, I think, um, on a multi year deal. But yeah, I mean, if he can get back to shooting with the way he did the first two years here um, and just lock in, you know, the biggest thing to me about him is I feel like I've kind of always questioned off the court, does he really care about this? You know, is he really getting better? Yeah, or is it just like a, mm-hmm. you know, does he look at himself as a finished product? Maybe I won't get my music thing going. You know, um, if he really is serious about, you know, getting better, then, yeah, I mean, I think he, he would have some value. He's still, you know, 28. That's older for our team. But that's still fairly young in, in NBA years, you know. That still fits in with the Rockets, I think, rebuilding timeline. Yeah, exactly. I mean, end of the day, he's not somebody that you're going to depend on getting you 20 points plus a game. So I think it's fair to say, 
he fits the Rockets fictional timeline that everybody you know likes to bring up about Christian Wood. I, I think he yeah. can still be okay and not have to put him out the pasture just yet. So I, I think that he can still bring value coming up in this this upcoming season because I mean he has been in the league a few years and he he can you know kind of help out the younger guys, the the KPJs, even Jay Sean Tate's of the world who even though Jay Sean Tate is closer to him in age, it's still it's only, what, his second year coming up in the league. So right. I think he can still bring value, like you said, if he locks in and focuses on exactly what he needs to do. And it's, it's not being a superstar. It's just being a really good rotational type player. So um, that's going to wrap it up for the second segment. And third segment, we're gonna, I'm going to get the guy's opinion on uh, John Wall and what he can bring to this young core and some of the actual benefits that he can bring to the teams. I know a lot of people – we're trying to ship him out uh, as soon as Jalen Green was brought in. But I, I, me personally, I think he can still bring value to the Rockets because he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So we're going to talk about some of the actual positive that he can bring to this young team. And we're going to discuss all that in this last segment. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continue here on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. All right, in this last segment, we're going to be talking about Mr. John Wall and what he can be a brain to this young core of uh, this upcoming season because it's been on he's been actually been trending lately, a lot of actual positive stuff about John Wall and how he was pre-injury and you know how dynamic he was uh, being an all-star and one of the best point guards in the league. So we're going to be actually discussing him. So I want to go ahead and kick off with you, John, because you're actually our resident John Wall expert. Um, you've been following <laughs> him for a while now because um as we were talking about off air, you've been in DC since 2012, correct? Yes. Yes. That's so, correct. yeah. So you've been following him for a while. So what do you think that he can actually, some of the positive he can actually bring to the Rockets, um, uh, you know, starting lineup, if they do go with the three guards, what's some of the things you actually think he can help them uh, going forward in this next season? So the biggest thing, and I think I've, I've heard y'all talk about this and I've, I've seen uh, AD tweet about this, talk about this, uh, some written stuff. John Wall was a top pick. Yeah. Um, and people, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, DJ Augustine can just teach them how to be a point guard. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I love DJ Augustine, like Jalen Green has a level of spotlight on him that DJ Augustine has not had since he was at the University of Texas. So there's this idea of being in the league and being scrutinized in a way that even John Wall talked about early in his career that he didn't really understand until he had conversations with like Gilbert Arenas. And I think that he's necessary for these guys to see what it's like to honestly like struggle and fail in these positions because that's what helps you pick back up he said in a press conference after one of the games last year i think after one of the games where kpj went off he was like yeah that kid has a lot of talent and i tell him that he's more talented than i was and you need somebody who was you know a number one pick to tell you that to give you that confidence and also having somebody with his level of basketball iq and court vision and playmaking ability is going to give a guy like Jalen Green those open looks. Um, one of the things that I think Jalen Green can really improve on is off ball playmaking, like a Steph Curry type of mindset where he can come off of these screens and have somebody like John Wall set him up. And John Wall will be more willing to pass. I know that people yeah. are concerned about that. Um, but this past season was Um, I think like top three in terms of shooting for John Wall and the more that John Wall shoots um, the less accurate he is. He is not a volume type shooter. He's way more comfortable not shooting the ball that much. Um, So all that to say, I think that him setting those guys up, giving them off off ball opportunities and putting them in the right positions, it'll make them look way better. And I think people are really going to be surprised 
let's not forget that John Wall got Marcin Gortat paid. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so like having a full training camp and hearing about all the work he's done in the offseason with Christian Wood and Steven Silas, I think he's going to help Christian Wood even take that extra leap that he needs to take to be an all-star and potentially like an all-NBA type player. Yeah, exactly. And I think if people actually broke down his numbers, I mean, like we were saying earlier, you can only evaluate so much from last year because the team was such a mess and it was such um, it, it was such it was so inconsistent on who's going to be playing one night or the other. I mean, if you look at it, I know people, like you say, are concerned about him not passing the ball to Kevin Boyd Jr. or Jalen Green. But I mean, he had three years in a row where he averaged 10 plus assists a game. I mean, I don't care. I don't care who, what team you're on. I don't care if you're on the the greatest team in, uh, ever, like the 96 Bulls or the Warriors teams from the past. 10-plus assists a game is, 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 you know, elite-level Hall of Fame type stuff. So he, like you said, he's more of a, a pass-first point guard than people give him credit for. It's just that last year, once the team started going downhill after Christian Wood got hurt, I, I'm sure he figured, well, I need to get myself back to where I was before, so I'm just going to start shooting. I mean, he yeah. took he took the second most shots he's ever taken uh, per game last year, over 18 shots a game. There's no way he's taking 18 shots a game next year. I just don't think that's the type of player or person he is, that he's going to be, that, you know, selfish and be taking shots away from players like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. So I think, like you said, people are going to be really surprised this next year because, I mean, he was at Summer League. He was, you know, you know, hyping up the players. He's He's been supportive. It's not like he's just been, you know, hanging in the cut somewhere and not want to be around anybody. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't want to work with the younger guys and help them develop. And like you said, he can tell Jalen Green, this is how it's going to be being a superstar and having players come at you every night trying to prove that they're better than you. So, yeah, I don't see any reason why he would be a negative. I mean, I know a lot of people like to call him a tank commander. I'm not going to call any names, but I don't see him as that type of player, especially going forward. Um, AD, what's kind of your opinion on John Wall and what he can bring to the Rockets this year? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like, at, you know, he, he definitely can help uh, Jalen Green and KPJ on the defensive end. Um, but you got to also keep in mind, you have a young team now. You know, you're bringing in four 19-year-olds. And John Wall is great from a cultural standpoint because John yeah. Wall hustles on both ends of the, of the court, you know. Um, and, you, you know, he he has been there before from a standpoint of being a top pick, having, you know, high expectations, kind of like they'll point it out, um, and and being able to live up to him or, and also being able to first find out early on, you know, this is not as easy as – you know, he might have thought from being a top player coming out of Kentucky and all that, you know. Uh, but the biggest thing to me is that I think that he is going to want – he has had a lot of slander. Lot yes, of slander. lots. Of <laughs> I mean, every, every day I feel like I'm seeing, you know, them posting about his contract or, you know, he's getting paid more to LeBron and AD. You or OKC's entire team. Yeah, I saw that. And, 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 you know, the thing I hate – and I don't want to go into tangent about this – but the thing I hate about this is that there's no context there. Yeah. When he got that that Supermax deal, the Wizards at the time in 2017 didn't really have a choice, you know? And yeah. he had been a top player, right? He was all NBA at that point. He tied with Giannis in the MVP race that year, you, yeah. you know? Um, but the, like I said, you know, he he's never really been the kind of person to clap back or to even talk much on social media. Um, but I know for a fact that he's motivated to prove oh, yeah. to, to prove he, that he still has it. Like, you know, we know that he's trying to work on, you know, adding a step back jumper. I don't really know if that's going to be something that we see much of this year. He's going to have to get that down. The gallery was kind of slower. The release is a little bit slower. But just in general, I think that John Wall is going to be hungry, probably hungrier. And I don't think on top of that, you know, last season was his first year back after two years. So there's a little bit of that where – I think he didn't really trust his body a little bit starting out. I don't know how you could, you know, the injuries he's had, Achilles, ACL, for a guy who, you know, his game was so much heavily based on athleticism, speed, quickness, you know. Um, so I think that was a little bit of that, too. I'm sure you had some doubt physically, some limitations on, you know, just exactly how much you could push it. So having one full season under his belt, a full off season as well with the team, knowing his role, 
him and Silas have a great relationship. Silas said he's like an extension of his coaching staff. Yeah, that's helpful for a, a, a you know younger coach, at least for you know first time head coach last season um, for Silas. But the main thing is for the young guys. I, I think John Walls is going to be great, and I, and I also don't think he wants to be here long term from a standpoint of he knows that because of his contract, he's going to have to play fairly well to get himself you know because after this season he'll be a lot more appealing on an expiring deal, yeah. expiring year. Yeah. So if he plays well and under control a little bit more this season, a little bit more consistent this year, I think it's very possible that a year from now he could get traded, you know, which which could help him be in a better situation. You know, maybe he's joining a contending team that might think they're a piece away. Um, I think there were some teams this past offseason that would have been wise to trade for him. The Pelicans in particular made a crazy move when they got Devontae Graham, I thought, over him. Um, yeah, they, they, they've been a mess for a while now. Right. Knicks also. I mean, it worked out with Kim's buyout. He was cheap. But um, but in general, I, I think that if he has a fairly good season this year, like I said, more consistent, a little bit more under control, I think that that could bode well for his chances of, of being on a contending team a year from now. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it – like you said, next year, especially closer to the trade deadline, I can see him possibly getting traded. I think it, it actually it's more likely he gets traded than bought out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think, yeah, I think he's going to have a bounce back year. I think that uh, teams are going to see that, okay, um, he can still bring value. Um, he was out those couple of years. So actually, in the long run, that may actually help him extend his career because he won't have as much tread on his tires as some of the other players that's been playing every single year. So I actually think even though he's 30 years old, I actually think that, you know, he can have a second part of his career where he's more of a, I don't know, a Kyle Lowry type of player who's not necessarily going to always go out there and give you 30 plus points a game, but it's going to make the winning plays that, you know, teams like, you know, Miami Heat who just traded for Kyle Lowry, um, teams like that who's still trying to get over that hump they can we'll look at him like, yeah, we'll trade for John Walls in the last year. And if it doesn't work out, we don't have to bring him back. But if it does, we can sign him to a, a longer term deal and a lot less money. So I think that this is going to be an audition year. And that's another reason why, you know, John Wall is going to have a bounce back year this year. Uh, one of the things that I didn't get a chance to, you know, talk to you, A.D., about, uh, and, and John, I want to get your opinion on that, is also the fact that uh, Eric Gordon is still on the roster. He's probably not going to be traded more than likely not until close to the trade deadline. Do you think that's more of a fact that the Rockets just couldn't find what they wanted in the trade or the teams are still kind of hesitant? They want to see them actually back on the court first before they make a trade for Eric Gordon, because honestly, he's probably not going to be here past the trade deadline unless, you know, God forbid he gets hurt again. So, uh, John, what's your opinion on that? Do you think it was just more of a fact that teams just want to see him back on the court? Yeah, I think the unfortunate thing, um, because this was happening at the time, the Eric Gordon trade talks last year, um, he was like a game or two away. I genuinely feel like he was a game or two away from being traded when he had that groin injury. Yeah. Um, Because the talks were really heating up leading up to that game uh, to the point where people were asking, should the Rockets even keep playing him? And he played in that game and got that groin injury. And Boston was like one of the main teams people were talking about going into the playoff push. And once that injury happened, you could kind of see how teams were a little hesitant because then it became, okay, well, when is he going to come back? Is he going to be able to play in the playoffs if they still traded him? Yeah. And, and now I think teams are like, well, he missed such a significant amount of time. We got to see him on the court again because he was having a really good year. And then that injury happened. And now I think teams are just like, look, if you give us a nice 10, 15 game stretch, then we'll we'll pick up the phone again in regards to Eric Gordon. Yeah, exactly. He was having a bounce back year last year. I think people forget forgot that because he had such a horrible year the year before, probably the worst of his career. And then he comes back last year, and, I mean, he was driving to the basket. This is probably the best I've seen him get into the basket since his first couple of years in the league. I mean, he was consistently getting to the basket with ease. I mean, his shot was still kind of on and off, but he was probably one of the best uh, players at uh, getting to the rim in the entire NBA. So, yeah, he was really close to getting traded. And then the, the, the time before that, he was close to getting traded before the Rockets 
I'm still not exactly sure why they were more did it, but he gave they gave him that extension, which basically um, made him ineligible to get traded. So I think he would have got traded that off that um, trade deadline. So, yeah, it's been a couple of times where he's almost been traded and then something happened. And I think, yeah, teams are probably going to wait till maybe a month or two into the season to make sure that he's actually healthy. And then he'll probably be traded at some time, you know, before the trade deadline. Uh, A.D., uh, before we wrap up this uh, last segment, what's your opinion on uh, Eric Gordon and why he may have possibly didn't get traded during the offseason? Yeah, so I think it's kind of the same thing. You know, he hasn't been healthy in, uh, what, 2018-19, fully healthy season yeah. for him. You know, he had that knee surgery in um, 19-20, and then last season he actually playing well before the trade deadline, um, but got hurt. Uh, so – if I'm another team, I might be a little bit more leery to trade for him until I see him, you know, play. Granted, his contract situation is not that bad. I mean, the last year is non-guaranteed. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, unless he makes – I think it's one of the All-NBA teams, then it becomes guaranteed. It's, one, it's actually one of the good things that Daryl Morey uh, did. Um, so, there's not much of a risk from a standpoint of being locked in long-term but you still don't want to take on somebody making 19, 20 million if they're going to be out injured. And he has had knee injuries too. So yeah. um, there's that, that, that's a little bit of a concern, but like I said, I mean, he played well last season. I think that if he stays healthy up until the deadline, we probably can move him um, and, and probably get some pretty good return back. I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think he's actually, he's another veteran that can help out the young guys. I mean, as much as, you know, Eric Gordon's been up and down, he's still, you know, a really good shooter. He can help guys like uh, Jalen Green and even Kevin Porter Jr. showed him exactly how you get in the right spots, um, how you can, you know, work off of picks and get open shots and, you know, just being able to, you know, show him the correct way to consistently shoot three-pointers. I think he can, you know, be another veteran that can help a young guy at least the first part of the season. So I definitely think – He also is a good defender too, very good. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we all know he's like the Donovan Mitchell stopper uh, from a couple years ago. So, I mean, he definitely probably still one of their better perimeter defenders that they have on the team. So, I mean, at the end end of the day, you still need veterans on your team whether you're rebuilding or competing for a championship. You can't have 15 – players under 20 years old and think you're going to actually be any type of competitive team. And one other question I want to go uh, before we go, uh, I didn't get to uh, ask either one of y'all, would you rather them fight for the number 10 uh, seed or would you rather them be again, a top three lottery team? And uh, Jonathan, you st- I'll start with you. Um, I'm going to say this right now. I don't ever want to see <laughs> a team be like this team was last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Been blown out by 20 every night. I'm look, I'm glad the Rocket Girl is not an alcoholic. Oh um, wow, yes. I remember because <laughs> unfortunately for more than half the season she was drinking because we were down 20 so much. But no nah, man, I think like fighting for something, trying to be competitive, uh there's no downside to that. And I get that everybody wants to, you know, like accumulate picks, but we got four picks this year that we're like, man, how are all these guys going to play? So I just don't see how that question can be asked. And then we're also like, but yeah, let's, let's get more lottery picks. Like let's get more, you know, top picks in the lottery. Um, The progression's not linear uh, is another thing that I wanted to bring up. Like, I, I don't know if people remember this, but like KJ, started last year with the NBA team went down to the G league and came back. And it was like, he was a completely different player and he was a pick that was bought in the second round. So we don't necessarily need to try and get like Paolo Benchero or Chet Holmgren or any of these guys. It would be nice if they ended up that way, but trying to get there, I feel sends the wrong message to everybody in the organization. Yeah, exactly. And you got to factor in these are like human beings with jobs and they actually like job security. And I don't think that Rafael Stone or Coach Salas, you know, is really too keen on going through another year where they have the absolute worst record in the league. I mean, that's not good for job security as much as everybody loves them. Just imagine them going through another bad season. And then you got to factor in, well, 
then the following year, you're still going to be working in a bunch of rookies. And then you're probably going to struggle again that year. So you're talking about two or three years down the line before you're even competitive in the playoffs. And I, I, me personally, I just think that the more competitive you are, the faster that helps you develop the players that you already have. And, I mean, if you look at teams like Memphis, you think they would rather have been in the lottery last year than actually be able to play in a play-in and have all of those fantastic games from, you know, John Morant. I think that that will help propel them going into this year. So, me personally, I would rather go through and them actually fighting for a play-in spot then going through another season where they lose 20 plus games in a row and having to watch Coach Silas, you know, literally not want to even do press conferences anymore. I don't think, it, I, me personally, I don't want to see that again. Um, AD, what's your opinion? Yeah, same, same, same as you guys. I don't, I didn't even, I didn't want the Rockets to tank last season. And, and I, I don't think that was an intentional thing. I, it yeah. was more organic. You had injuries that played a large part. Um, if it happens organically, sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't really control that. But from a standpoint of purposely trying to lose games, you know, I don't really see how that helps anybody. Doesn't help Silas. I think that, like you know, like John says, that's kind of a bad precedent, uh, bad culture as well. Um, especially for first year with some young guys, you don't want you know guys first season to be a, a intentional tank effort. You know, yeah. So if it happens organically, yeah, you can't do anything about that. I don't think it would have happened last season if it weren't for all the injuries, despite the, you know, uh, controversy with the Harden mid-season trade, and I want out of the depot and all that. They still would not have lost that many games if they were healthy. Um, so I don't really want that to happen this season either. I'm hoping that they don't tank. From a standpoint of win totals, whether it's, you know, 10 seed playing, my thing is all I want is to see them be competitive. Um, and however many games they win or lose, I can live with that if yeah. they are competing. Uh, if you can see the effort there. Um, because, again, I mean, these are all young guys. The truth of the matter is this is not a 50-win roster anyways, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I've been seeing a lot of 20-win predictions. I don't think this team is, not, is that bad. I mean, Yeah, that's low to me. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think the team really could have a shot at the early to mid-30s, you know. Um, sorry, low to mid 30s, 32, 33, 35 win team. I could see that easily. Uh, and in the West, that's still probably be the, you know, one of the bottom teams. Yeah. Or 10 or 11 or whatever the case. But yeah, I mean, I agree with, 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 with my man John. I don't want them to purposely try and lose games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I see this team between 30 to 35 wins, somewhere in that range. And if that's good enough to fight for a 10th seed, even better. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't see them just winning 20 games. That just seems really low to me with players like John Wall and Christian Wood. And you still have Jay Sean Tatum. I mean, hell, we didn't even talk about KJ Martin and the way he's progressing and how he could be even better this year. So, yeah, 20 wins just seems really low to me. Um, again, you have to take uh, Vegas with a grain of salt. A lot of times they're trying to get the most money they can on certain bets. So they may factor in that instead of factoring how good the actual team is. So, but one more question real quick before we wrap it up. Um, the new Drake album, 1 to 10, what's your rating? <laughs> uh, I give it a 7. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Jonathan? Um, I'm going to agree with AD. I think I think seven solid. Uh, I, I think the highs really hit, and then the lows just – I don't know. There's some things where I'm like, why? Why was this song here? <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. seven's good. Yeah, I give it a, a a low six. Um, but you know, I'm not a huge Drake fan anyway. So, but uh, but yeah. Uh, before we go, Jonathan, uh, won't you let everybody know where they can find all your content and where they can see you at on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so I am at Twitter on Tweeter Dell. That's T W E E T E R and Dell D E L. Um, on YouTube, Twitch, Rocket Powered Squid, exactly the way that you would assume to spell those things. And yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be doing a series on this past Rocket season. It'll be a nine-part video oh, series wow. where I've watched every single game of the 72 games oh god bless you <laughs> so yeah just stay tuned for that and um pray for me <laughs> that turn you into alcoholic also <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to curb the drinking a little bit uh -huh. uh, 
I'll only I'll only drink when we're down twenty uh, for every uh, other game. Okay. Every other game. Okay, yeah, that, that's probably a good idea on that one. Uh, what about you, Ad? Where can they find all your great content? You can find me on Twitter at a underscore ducket. Also find me Space City Scoop, uh, Space City underscore Scoop as well, as well as on uh, Apollo Apollo Houston. And of course, as usual, AD, we've done like 105 podcasts together. I always appreciate you jumping on with me. And Jonathan, first want to have you on. Definitely want to have you back on. Definitely did a great job. Oh, yeah, for sure. Have me back whenever, man. Love love talking to you guys. Oh, for sure. Uh, And of course, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.